today's podcast. It's 134 in podcast time. Great to have you for the second episode of 2022. Um, we have a very hard to get guest. He has been a busy man since he started a little over a year or so ago. But a great interview about an hour spent with Juwan Armour, head of the Violence Interrupters Program, started by the cities so that we can bring down gun violence. And Alex and I learned a lot of things, including they're only in one part of the city and how to connect with them. So we learned some things and we want you to, you to know more about what Juan and his team are doing and then some fun stuff at the end. Um, we're excited because we had a great time talking to Juan for about an hour. So it was a really great interview and I was kind of worried. I did tons of prep going into it. Had all the questions written down, which I rarely ever do because Juan and I have just exchanged very brief emails to set this up and I've never met him before. So I always like to get uh, get some chemistry with somebody or know that it might not be good chemistry. Um, even knowing that it's bad chemistry is sometimes better than knowing that there's an unknown. But it was a great time with Juwan. Um, he was really helpful with all the questions that Alex and I asked. So you're going to enjoy that conversation. But the breaking news, literally, as we wrapped up the interview, the happiest person in Toledo right now is Jordan Strack who deserves all the credit for leading the charge and basically begging Raising Canes to come here. There's no exact date when it will open, but we're getting an area location at the old French Quarter spot on 20 in Perrysburg, Rossford. I've never had it. I've got no problem with fried chicken and fries. I can't wait to see how long the lines go out onto Route 20. There's a Chick-fil-A there. Yeah, it's on the other side of the road from the French Quarter. Although I don't ever think that the lines there are as busy as some of the ones that I go past. The one on Secor, the one by the mall, the Chick-fil-A, uh, right near me at Spring Meadows. Um, it's going to be wild to see how that place opens and how long the line is so that you can finally get your Raisin Canes. It took us a long time, thanks to uh, Gretchen in the mayor's office and doing communications to connect us at long last so we can ask a bunch of questions to Juwan Armour. Hey, hey, good morning. Uh, it's good to finally, afternoon. <laughs> it's good to finally <laughs> chat with you. Uh, it's Eric and Alex, and uh, we've been trying to track you down since... Uh, and I'm recording, by the way. Um, yeah, no problem. Welcome in. We've been trying to track you down for the uh, since the very first day you started, but we know you've been a, a very busy person. We've been fans since before you got here. I sincerely appreciate that. Um, <laughs> it's just... It, it, I'm, I'm just excited, right? I'm excited, yeah. one... Um, for have our numbers from our first year of implementation. I'm excited about um, so many community members being very receptive to the numbers we're seeing and the opportunities for participation to expand out what we're doing. Mm. I'm excited about uh, just so much TPS's involvement and their encouragement in providing the social emotional learning curriculum that we used this summer and that was allowed to be um, free of charge from the curriculum, uh, implemented into nine classrooms, uh, mm. three at Robinson, three at McTighe, and three at Washington Local and Jefferson. Um, and I'm just so, I, I'm just thrilled at what we're seeing. It's just encouraging, right? Even though numbers go up, uh, in the area that we're in, our mm -hmm. first area, numbers have went down 66%. So it's just encouraging to have these numbers. Did uh, uh, did Matt, uh, I'm, I was so glad Matt reached out to me and told me that you guys were, were old buddies. Um, did, he tell yes. you, did he tell you that I wasn't, that we weren't going to drill you here today? <laughs> well, did not. Did not. speak for yourself. I'm just kidding. Totally no, right. <laughs> like like, uh, like Alex said, we're we're big supporters. Um, we have been on this path the whole time because what's been going on for a long time, not just here, but in so many places, just cities and metropolitan areas, uh, it wasn't working. And unfortunately, we got to some very heated inflection points. We've lost a lot of lives here and all over over the last handful of years. So I'm excited to see this program. Um, move forward, especially as if we ever get away from COVID, because that's the crucible that has made good times better for some people and bad times a lot worse for some people. Mm. Um, let me let me ask you this: What's your day like? Mm -hmm. We've we've kind of talked about how um, we wanted to defend what you do in the program, saying this has to be a little bit like the CIA. There have been like hundreds of nine eleven type terrorist attacks that have been that have been prevented, <laughs> but we'll never know about them because the CIA doesn't let that stuff out because we would lose our minds. I'm assuming <laughs> right, right. I'm assuming you have to work in in much similar ways, in, in clandestine ways, in the shadows, and not make everything public. 
Absolutely. And, and it's, I'm glad you mentioned that point, because when violence doesn't happen, um, who knows? Right. right. Yes. Um, very similar to what your statement was about terrorist, terrorist attacks. And when you are able to mediate conflict or intervene or talk to an individual or group of individuals prior to a funeral, um, just to make sure we can provide a safe environment at those funerals. Um, it, it, it's, 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 intric- it's intricate into what we're trying to create. And so, uh, absolutely, and I, I definitely, I sincerely appreciate you having that understanding because most people, individuals don't. You know, another misconception is that we're all over the city. Um, our phase one is uh, targeted. We're in, very intentional in our effort, and we're only in one community right now. We're only in the Junction Inglewood area. Um, we're currently uh, wrapping up interviews to move into our Lagrange corridor, uh, so we can expand into our three primary target areas uh, to address what we're seeing. Is that interviews of new employees? Is that interviews of like um, individuals that community members that you've targeted that can maybe help you with your efforts? Like, what does that look like for you? Right. Very good question. So the interview process is specifically for our violence interrupters. That piece is uh, modeled by the Cure Violence um, model that we're using. Um, And so uh, with that piece, we we identify our three in our assessment phase. We identified our three target areas, those areas being Junction Inglewood, the LaGrange Corridor and Garfield Star areas on the east side. Mm -hmm. And based on incidents of violence, homicides, arrests for violent, violent crimes, those are, that's how we um, kind of mobilize into target areas. So our first primary area was Junction Inglewood, which, again, we've seen a 66 a reduction in uh, homicides in mm-hmm. that area. Um, I, I hate to always throw numbers out because, no. right, because any, any loss of life is, you know, tragic. Um, but to go from nine homicides in 2020 um, in, those, in, in those target areas and then going to three in 2021, uh, the first year of our implementation uh, is just it's just outstanding and it, and it's encouraging, right? Um, those three individuals who lost their lives, Miss um, Laura Laura Lucky, Natasha Carlisle, and, and Young Jalen Pryor, mm. um, with respect to them and their families, um, but to have a sixty six decrease in violence in that area is definitely encouraging. I got to tell you, uh, you already told me, and this is why I wanted to have you on um, so that we could spread the word to to our people um, who are not necessarily all suburban people, but it's not the communities that you're interacting with and working with on a day-to-day basis. We want to have our people support what you're doing. I had no idea you were only in one neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm glad that we found that out, and that's why we wanted to have you on. I'll go backwards because I know we're throwing a lot at you here. What is your day like? Um, It's... it's, um one, it's making sure that every program um, that I'm associated with um, is is done to a high standard um, of quality um, to make sure that we are very intentional in, in our and accomplishing goals. Um, two, it is uh, navigating any incidents that could potentially uh, lead to violence, uh, like possible retaliations, um, interpersonal conflicts. Um, and, and we brief and debrief every day uh, uh, with our violence interrupters. But again, the, the program itself is so multifaceted because violence in itself is multifaceted, right? Yeah. Everything is not drug related. Everything is not gang related. Everything is not um, domestic violence. Everything is not interpersonal conflict, but it's accumulation of all those things. And so have to have um, solutions and a multifaceted approach is how we were able to get the numbers we've seen um, in our first target area. You know, I find so I'm I moved to Toledo as an adult. I'm from the Cleveland area. And when I came here and um, individual other people that I know that came to the Toledo area from other cities, we all have the same um, thought or opinion and that the the inner cities are extremely diverse in some ways. There's mm-hmm. there, That was unexpected. Traditionally, when you think of, um, in some b- major cities, when you think of inner city, lower income, those cities with higher crime rates, you th- people automatically associate that with black-on-black violence. I'm using a, a trigger word or like a public national term for that. They, they associate it with that, where in Toledo it's a little bit different. And the way that our neighborhoods are set up are completely different, and it, and it really shocked me. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that that's why we have to have a bit of a different approach. And while we're not experiencing something that is unlike um, what other major cities are experiencing, sometimes, you know, the 
the reason that people go to violence isn't just because there's gang associations or because there was a physical fight that happened or an argument that happened or a social media fight. Sometimes it's lack of opportunity. It's poverty. It's it's hopelessness. It's those feelings of just never feeling like you're going to get out of it. So why, you know, why would I care? Um, right. And I thought that was really interesting in Toledo when I came here. Um, and I've been here 10 years, but it's still yes. it's still something that I that I think of actively when I'm driving through the neighborhood. Juwan, part of the program is it's a holistic and <clears throat> universal uh, approach. I know you and work with the community centers. One that's probably the people will probably be know uh, will know a little bit about because it's been in the news a lot for good reasons lately. The Frederick Douglass mm-hmm. Center. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Soul City Boxing uh, in my years past since I've been here, they've done things in the community. And I think your program wants to heavily involve these places because that's really where the violence should stop, right? Um, well, we want to heavily involve those places because that's where the mentoring um, right. takes place. That's yeah. where there is a capacity of individuals who can be engaged. But I also want to speak to the point that was made um, regarding diversity in those communities. Um, three reasons and also the the, um, the impact of economic deprivation. Mm-hmm. So um, according to SAMHSA, Economic de- deprivation is the number one category that contributes to any social deterrent, mm-hmm. it, whether it be uh, sex at early ages, whether it is uh, suicide rate, whether it is uh, drug abuse. Um, economic deprivation is the number one characteristic. So when you see poverty, you see social deterrence, right? Um, another comment that I and I'm, I'm I sincerely appreciate what you say regarding diversity of the community that's why it's important and we've done these to have the assessment to go through an assessment phase because the issues that and we've seen this um, so in that assessment phase identifying three communities our target areas with the help of TPD um, to pull that data to also go into these communities because what's happening in Junction Inglewood as it relates to violence could be very different than what's happening on the LaGrange corridor and very different to what's happening right. on the east side because the communities are different. So it's not fair to the community for me to come in on outside of communities to add to say that I have all the answers. I know exactly what the problem is. I know how it can be fixed. That's that's it's not culturally competent. It's not fair to the individuals. But what is fair is if I go into those communities and ask, what are you seeing? What are your needs? How can you best be served or helped? Um, and that's what we did in our process, in our assessment process. So identifying these things, that information was sent off to the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine, Nicole Fuma, and she created themes for each community. And addressing those themes for these three target areas is how we will address violence in those target areas. So they're very different, um, the things, because the communities themselves are different, <clears throat> which was a great point that was brought up. Juwan, uh, you mentioned TPD. Um, when your position was first announced, there was some pushback from the, from the union. Yeah. They've been a pro- they've been a thorn in many people's sides over the last handful of years. <laughs> no um, shade. Has, no shade. Has what's the relationship been with them? Uh, we're we're fans of Chief Crawl. We'll we'll call him out and if we if something got mm-hmm. messed up, but I think overall he does a pretty decent job. What's your relationship been with like if there's been anything with him or TPD at large in general? Yeah, I'm going to be completely honest. TPD has been extremely helpful on a number of um, initiatives, a number of programming, um, and and honestly have volunteered their services uh, to contribute to our effort, Uh, whether it's their intelligence data and creating um, the statistics and following the statistics of homicide in our target areas, whether it's providing officers. um, So some funeral homes upcharge families security deposits up to four to $500 -hmm. to provide security at funerals. Well, TPD helps to alleviate that cost to families um, by providing security there free of charge. And so that's huge in building relationships with the community members and TPD. TPD participates in all of my community forums. They're very active because law enforcement and um, building relationships was the theme in two of our communities. And so with that, they've been very uh, participatory in making sure that we address and build the relationship of TPD and community members. That's really that again, that's those are things that we don't typically hear about, you know, when we're right. when we discuss your work and f- for Eric and I again, we do talk about TPD a lot because we're a huge supporter of TPD, but we are also in in supporting our police department and any police department, you need to also speak about some of the things that may need improvement or some of the things that may not have been helpful. That's so great to know that you have a relationship because I have no doubt that 
that you probably are having those difficult conversations with them. And it could be a, you and your team are a good example of how the overall community can engage with the police department and have a healthier relationship with law enforcement because you are mm-hmm. you are that example. Um, so that that's I, I definitely appreciate that. But I think it's it's a it's a responsibility. Right. Because, sure. you know, um, so I'll give you an example. Um, and this is just a cultural example. <clears throat> and I'll and I'll use three examples, three, three different examples vaccinations right the african-american community um, doesn't get vaccinated at a high rate right because there's a distrust in medicine historically right Right. um it can date back to and i'll just say obvious examples people probably would know about this you can date back to tuskegee experiments Mm -hmm. right or more recently the nfl because i'm an nfl former nfl player i'm in a concussion case and i know how difficult it is for some some african-americans to receive their concussion payouts because it's been stated that african-americans experience pain at a different um, Mm -hmm. tolerance than their counterparts Mm -hmm. and so even today there is distrust in medicine, which leads to the lack of the African-American community participating in vaccinations. But unfortunately, we die from not getting vaccinations because underlying is pre-diagnosed condition, underlying issues, um, we die. Mm-hmm. Right. Historically, um, the black community does not build a relationship with law enforcement because of the treatment by law enforcement on those communities, harassment, abuse, so on and so forth. It's historically we've seen this. But it does it. So it allows it, it, it. That stigma prevents us from building relationships. We don't see physical abuse in Toledo right now. What we see from our community is wanting to build relationships. If we see law enforcement abusing community members, they wouldn't want to build relationships. Right. And so having an opportunity to build these relationships is how we will address what we're seeing. And so those are, you know, those are two examples. Um, you can go to politics. Historically, the African-American community doesn't vote because there's a disconnect from the people that run from politics and the community members that um, these people serve. Mm-hmm. Right. And so but not participating in that institution of uh, democracy um, hurts our community by from having issues addressed in our community from leadership. And so we have to break down stigmas and build up. Uh, partnerships, collaborations, build a community, um, and just be able to work together to resolve issues. Gun violence is n- always going to be around. Gun violence has been around since cowboys. But we can decrease and reduce what we're seeing, and that's what we've been able to accomplish in our first target area. And th- it, this is a bane right now here, Chicago, where I'm from in Philadelphia, um, and the West Coast. Uh, a lot of it because of what's going on with COVID right now. And as much as we all want to snap our fingers and make it stop overnight and, and hopefully it relents when COVID relents, um, that's just not going to happen because everything you just talked about, relationship building, doesn't happen overnight. Whether you're trying to hook right. up with somebody at the bar right. or whether you're trying to make Absolutely. a friendship or, or rebuild bonds between uh, people of authority and communities that have been separated from society. Um, you Absolutely. Men- you mentioned vaccines. Let me go the the other route of, of health. And um, you've talked a lot about mental health since you've been on this program. Uh, it was five or six years ago when I was working at another radio station. Uh, we had a black girl on our show and we were texting this Sunday afternoon. It was the day when that the, the guy in Cleveland was on Facebook Live and killed somebody. Oh, that was I, Easter. I was texting with my friend her name is Ajante, and she said we were talking about the situation and we were figuring out how we were going to bring it up in the air the next day and she said I'll get to the point here black people don't talk about mental health I said yeah. Ajante you are going to bring that up on the show tomorrow and you're going to say it just like that yep. I've experienced a lot of that because uh, Alex and I both do a lot of mental health speaking and mm-hmm. several times when I've been to Woodward those kids just roll their eyes at me <laughs> and I'm pretty relatable for a 42 year old dude because I don't walk in in a suit or anything I wear the same clothes they do um, right. it's probably because I don't look like that. But I also believe Ajante. So how are you going to attack this Goliath of of trying to inject some mental health um, support into this as well? Yeah, and that is a, I, I, I love the question you guys are posing. <laughs> we practice Honestly, for this. I, I really it's do. our lives. <laughs> yeah, but and you guys are directly in line with with the needs of the community. Right. So mental health was a theme identified from our communities. So. Um, Stigma. I, I participated in a number of panels this summer um, to address um, 
uh, why the African-American community does not participate in medically assisted treatment, mm-hmm. MAP programs, mm-hmm. which is Suboxone, um, things that help uh, individuals rec- recover from opiate use. Mm-hmm. Right. The African-American community does not participate in does not participate in counseling. And by breaking these stigmas down, because um, that's what it is, it, it, it is the stigma. The African for the reasons that I, that we already stated, uh, the distrust of medicine, the distrust of government, the distrust of law enforcement, because these communities have been historically um, and systematically ex- excluded from the process. Right. So to. to to uh, move into the future and to move to building relationships, we have to eliminate stigma. It was a, 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 I'll give you an example. When I grew up in my household, uh, it was a phrase very common in my household, very common in my friend's household. What happens in this house stays in this house, mm-hmm. right? And, and that prevents sharing or identifying needs uh, because what happens in that house may not necessarily be in the best interest of the individuals that live in that house. I think it's so just, have an opportunity to have individuals communicate, address needs, advocate for themselves and buy into the process um, and ask for help when it's needed right. is how we will address a stigma associated uh, with mental health. Because if we don't address the emotional intelligence of our young people, um, things will not get better. They will only get worse. So th- that exactly. I mean, we we agree 100 percent. And like Eric said, we do mental health discussions all the time. And while mm-hmm. podcasting and, and radio and media is my personal time, it's what I do for fun. My real life is mental health. So that's what I do in our mm-hmm. community in Lucas County. Um, how much do you work with like our area local churches? Um, can you share? I work very closely with the inter, <laughs> okay. uh, IMA. There you go. There you go. Uh, I work very closely with IMA. I work very closely with pastors outside of IMA. Um, and our faith in, in the African-American community, the faith-based mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. has always been, um, it's a, I mean, you can date back to spirituals being sung on plantations. That's what I was um, going to say. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Spirituality has always been um, an institution in the African-American community where um, having an opportunity to call on that higher power to get you mm-hmm. through circumstances has, has proven to be beneficial. Um, individuals who have a faith base or spirituality uh, recover at a higher rate than those that don't. Mm-hmm. And so um, knowing this and having this information, um, it, it only makes sense. It only may, I grew up in a faith-based community. Uh, I'm very familiar with most of the pastors in Toledo from um, not only my childhood, but my adulthood uh, and understanding that uh, it's a tremendous resource. Yeah. And so I work very openly with uh, the faith-based communities. That's really good to hear. And it's, it's nice to hear that, um, that the faith-based community is supportive of you as well. I know we talk about historical context. We talk about cultural competency. I mean, a lot of the reason that, that black people, you know, did don't seek out, um, mental health services and medical services in general dates back to slavery and plantations and that we didn't have the ability. So we had to pray it away because that was all we Absolutely. had. We had our religion. We didn't have a doctor. What, I, what I've what i run into, Absolutely. what I've noticed is that um, minorities, the black community, Hispanic mm-hmm. community, um, because of their spirituality mm-hmm. and ties to religion, they will not they will not take their lives as opposed to me white That's person right. I'm willing to just throw myself into something <laughs> and and that creates kind of like a prison if you can't pray it away if, you, if the spirituality isn't there if the mentality is what happens here stays here you're just enduring you're just enduring and and that vice pushes you harder and harder so Jawan will there be any um mental health aid that you can offer to some of these kids will they accept it Absolutely. So, social workers so, uh, <laughs> So I, I, I mean, this is the best interview I've had in, in a while. Come back anytime. <laughs> so, anytime. You got to yeah, come in yeah. studio so in next my assessment, time. <laughs> uh, prior to taking a position, um, in my assessment, identifying last year's numbers of 61 homicides, uh, 51 of those by gun violence, yeah. 100% of that 51 were based on arguments, right? Mm. And so and, and immediately you understand that there is a lack of emotional intelligence. It goes mm-hmm. from arguing to shooting. Yep. Right. It doesn't go from arguing to pushing to fighting. It goes from arguing to shooting. Um, and this before I came into the office, uh, I had previously worked at the Columbus Art and Technology Academy on implementing social emotional learning uh, into the culture of the school. And so having seen a reduction in um, 
referrals, fights, incidents of violence, better relationships uh, being built by young people and adults, young people and, them, and other young people. Um, it was immediate that uh, I, I, I got a social emotional learning curriculum called Seven Mindsets. We began implementing this summer. I purchased it and allowed community centers that had a capacity of children to um, use this curriculum. So we had in about 14 to 15 community centers in front of about 250 children. Mm-hmm. Uh, through that process, Miss um, Leveda Griswold, a uh, volunteer who is a teacher at McTide, Miss uh, Lisa Wiggins, who is a teacher who volunteered this summer at Robinson, um, they started incorporating it into their classrooms, which That's Robinson great. Junior High purchased the curriculum. They do it school-wide now. I'm working with TPS to work through the curriculum to incorporate it school-wide. And it's having these small successes Mm -hmm. that lead to bigger successes, right? Um, And again, it was provided free of charge to these programs just to get it, uh, just to have them experience it. And with the success of that, it's been able to be incorporated into the YMC after-school program at Wolf Creek, the after-school program, YMC program at West Toledo Y, and the YMCA after program after school program at um, Wesley the Y uh, it's it's one more. Is it a Y? It escapes me right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, it escapes me right now. Mm-hmm. But having these successes um, allows to expand out programming. Yeah, we had a vol- we had a vol- I'm sorry, we had a Ooh. volunteer program this summer where we had three fights, uh, a gun brought, a gunfire, a mass mm-hmm. exodus of lifeguard staff which prevented some of the pools from being open. We then began our community volunteers, uh, which jumped into action. We hadn't had one incident, not one, in the parks and pools that we surveyed uh, for the duration of the summer. That's fantastic. And so now having those successes, Dr. Durant is willing to roll this program out with TPS. And so it's just, you know, having small victories, um, which contribute to larger successes, is how we'll have a larger impact. I think that's so important in the I, I appreciate that you spoke about emotional intelligence, because I think that um, a lot of times our youth and our parents and individuals in the community don't often understand or recognize what that looks like. I always try to the work that we do is we relate to our own personal lives. And I was an athlete growing up and I remember my coaches, you know, if I got a foul on the court. I would get upset and I would stop doing what I was doing instead of running back on defense. And it's like, you right. got to keep going. So you Absolutely. made a mistake. You, the the ball got stolen from you. Run back on defense. Get it together Absolutely. and keep going. And I and that was that emotional intelligence learning for me. And I didn't even know it. So and Absolutely. Cor- and, 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 you know, and it's, it's huge that you mentioned athletics and any extracurricular activity. It provides, well, especially athletics. I'm a fan of myself. I played. And so... That's where the resiliency is built. That's where um, the, te- the being able to communicate and work effectively as a team is built. Um, right. As you see numbers right. of individuals and young people uh, not participating in extracurricular activities um, go down, you also see violence go up. That's exact. That's exactly right. It, and it was again. It was so integral in my own upbringing that I, when I came to Toledo and I didn't see as many city leagues and as many opportunities for the young kids. Um, I was a little disappointed, and I hope to see that increase, and I hope to see more awareness come around that because it's so important. But absolutely, I, I, re- I requested funds to um, begin. So we have uh, again. I'm I'm football t- through and through. <laughs> so um, it's so many uh, Toledo football leagues. One of the priorities um, for this year was to establish uh, a citywide youth football league. Yes. Uh, the funds were already requested, put to the side. Uh, and that is one I'm I'm extremely looking forward to because as you guys are aware that, you know, football is probably the biggest team sport that has the most participants on it. Mm-hmm. So to engage these teams, have them under one umbrella so we can create a standard of quality, how coaches coach, how mm-hmm. parents act at games, how kids participate in active games. Um, it, it would be huge yeah. to incorporate social emotional learning into the culture of an entire league. Imagine how many kids will be impacted by that and so again I'm, I, and I'm I, again it, you prompted that question and it was just right in line with 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 what we're trying to create here so if I were a parent or if I were a teacher and I had a concern I saw two students fighting or I saw a group of youth 
hanging outside around my home in the late afternoon. They clearly maybe weren't attending school or they were just, you know, I was concerned at their activity or or even adults. You know, I, I saw that there was an increase in tensions related to certain adult groups. How would I contact you? Should I contact you or your team? Should I call in and say, hey, you know, I have a concern in my area. I'm seeing this activity and I'm really worried it could result in some sort of violence or someone is going to get hurt. And I really think that we can make, you know, we can stop this. Can someone like that call you and how would they go about doing that? Absolutely. So um, the, the process now, though, however, we're again, we're only in one community, the Junction Inglewood area. Mm-hmm. Um, we can be contacted directly to address those issues. I, I've been all over the city. I come to homes. Um, if there's a need, I've talked. If a parent contacts me and say they're having an issue, I come directly to the house. Um, and I've been um, in homes where shootings take place. You know, I've been um, I was just in a home last week where a mom called. She had a number of boys there who were wanted to do the right thing, wanted to change the trajectory of where they were going, but just felt that they would not be forgiven by the the people that they were beefing with. Right. Yeah. And so these are the conversations where you try to, you know, change the thinking. So in this conversation, uh, we have an outstanding conversation and, and um I go out to my car and one of the guys comes out to my car and and he tells me, you know, stay at it. You know, they're listening. Everybody doesn't feel freely to speak around so many people, but they heard you. Right. Yeah. And as we're sitting in a car, a car pulls up behind my car and they start shooting. Mm. And so um, having having these kind of incidents where individuals know that um, you're comfortable coming to where they are, despite the hazards, despite um, the probability of violence. But you're coming because you place value on them is received very well. The parents receive it. Community members receive it. I come from uh, where a lot of these individuals come from. Um, I'm I'm very ingrained in the Junction Inglewood area. And honestly, when I took this position, I felt obligated to. I I know prevention. I've been doing prevention over 10, 11 years. Um, I've been very effective. And so uh, I felt a responsibility um, to try to address what we're seeing in my hometown. Yeah. And so I'm just, I'm thankful Angel Bird, and, uh, Angel Tucker yeah. and Chief Bird are coming on board uh, to assist. Uh, and it's just been, it's, it's, it shows um, where the mayor is headed. It shows that his, not, his, his um, willingness to hire individuals who come from the community to address mm-hmm. issues in the community, it, it should be complimented, honestly. And uh, Angel Tucker is from Glenwood, uh, which is um, West Toledo, near Delaware and Detroit. Mm-hmm. Chief Bird is from this Junction area, down the street from where my parents live. And so having individuals that come from the community, that have a pulse on the community to try to help and address what we're seeing, um, the mayor should definitely be complimented. Yeah, yeah. We, we thought the city did a great job over the summertime of what you've talked about, keeping kids busy, because that 26-year-old who's had a rough life and maybe has a gun, he, it might be too late to stop him from doing what he's going to do. But that 16-year-old, that 10-year-old knows that he's got a city park down the street that he can go hang out at, and there's there's free food, and there's some other things to keep him busy. Keeping kids, that's what we said all summer, keep the kids busy, mm-hmm. and I think the city did a good job of that, and we'll do a better job of it next year. Absolutely. But it also not only keeping them busy, um, but while we have them, put some of this so- curriculum in front of them, put some yeah. social emotional learning curriculum from yes. it. It was, it was Chico Vaughn. It doesn't matter what the extracurricular ac- curricular activity was. It didn't matter what the summer program was. If I had a group of kids that I can get some a curriculum in front of them to teach them how to, because we want kids to value life. Right. But what does that mean? You know, what does that mean to value life? So to have individuals that can instill these things, because it's not necessarily always learned in a household. Yep. So at basketball camps, Chico Vaughn basketball camp, uh, we had curriculum. At uh, 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 Sweeney Tabernacle, uh, 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 Pastor Sweeney had curriculum. Mm-hmm. City Park, it, so it didn't matter what the, the extracurricular activity is. If we have a capacity of kids, when they take their break, they're going to get some of this. Yeah, and so it was just it just proved to be extremely beneficial, and the more people that we um, got in front of this curriculum and could see the interaction, uh, the more beneficial it was, and the more people that bought into it. When you spoke about 
the faith-based community, I want to tell you about one project that we had that I'm extremely proud of, working with IMA, the faith-based community, working with Wayman Palmer YMCA, mm. working with uh, Grace Community Center. We had juniors and seniors. Uh, we had, I'm sorry, we had seniors uh, from this year, freshmen in college, uh, go to go to Wayman Palmer in the morning. They are then. Um, it's like it's like a trainer trainer experience. They're taught the social emotional learning curriculum at their appropriate grade level. They have breakfast working with the faith based communities IMA. They provide buses. They then pick the kids up from Wayman Palmer and then disseminate them to their program where they'll be paid by Harbor to work to assist there the uh, organization. There you go. But while they're there, they give the curriculum at the younger kids age appropriate level. Right. Mm -hmm. And the reason why this was beneficial is one is that um, kids listen to kids before they listen to adults. Mm -hmm. um, two, younger kids are more likely to engage older kids because they want to impress them. They want to show that they're just as competent as they are. <laughs> yeah. uh, and most importantly, that third one is that younger kids have an opportunity to have the behavior modeled for them that we want to see. Yeah. Right. And so for those three reasons, it was extremely successful, which which prompted uh, some of the schools to purchase the curriculum. Um, we were in Washington local schools. Uh, it was just it was just an outstanding, outstanding process, which um, not because I say so, but because the willingness for everybody that participate in this curriculum to then go out and get the curriculum themselves so they can carry on that message. And did you say, did you mention that there was some compensation involved for those older kids that did that? Absolutely. So I work with so uh, Rachel. Um, I work with Rachel Hanna mm -hmm. at um, the yes program for mm -hmm. Harbor. So our kids that participated in disseminating to the younger kids, they were paid through the yes program um, to uh, work, mm -hmm. but this was a part of their work, and yeah. so it was just it was awesome. That's great. I mean, I we like Eric and I mentioned we talk about. I mean, it's I don't think we go a month. We podcast a couple days a week, and I don't think we go one month without discussing some of the challenges we're having in our community and some of the struggles that people are facing. And I think you know I I don't mean to narrow it down to one simple thing, but sometimes it's just money. Like it, it really it's is. All, the answer to everything is always money. It, it's, it's just always money. money. It's so just I, and that's, so uh, so. Uh, that, uh, I, I, so I have to stop. So I disagree. <laughs> okay, I, I, I okay. Disagree. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why I disagree. If if the answer is, so that can't be the answer, right? No, if, no, if no. It's the not answer, the only answer. No, definitely right, right. not. It's not the only answer. Because if that was, it, I remember, I remember so many single parent households because a lot of reasons why uh Fathers were excluded because they didn't have the money to be a part of the household or felt like they weren't mm -hmm. contributing to the household. That's just one example, right? But more than anything, children need time. They need to be mentored. They need to be shown. They need to be taught. They need to have somebody model. Mm -hmm. um, and that requires no time. Our most successful program was our volunteer program. And in this program, the reason why we didn't have incidents of violence, the, our volunteers didn't break up fights. Um, they were just there. They mm -hmm. were just present. You have 40 people showing up with different motorcycle clubs working together. Um, kids ask that question, like, how do all of you guys get, get along being a part of different motorcycle clubs? They want to know. Right. Um, and so having individuals available to provide, show, educate, mentor is how um, – it's, it's primarily uh, how we can address this. It's not always money related. It definitely is money related. I mean, it, that is a part of it, <laughs> but it's not the only part of it. They, they have the time because they can volunteer that time. Because I, they absolutely. Have, because they, they, they've got the money taken care of. I think, though, I, I think what I was getting at, and, and I appreciate your feedback because you're right. You, thank you for adding to that because you are right. It's some things, you know, it's some things money can't buy. It's the time. It's the willingness to participate. It's the mentoring and mirror and, and being a mirror for the for the. Wait, that's the other stuff. If we're going to get into it real granular here, that's the other stuff we talk about where some people right. are afforded more opportunities because they have better access to finances. But I think that but right. I, but, right. I but I appreciate that. Because you don't often see that. That's not a that's not a practice. I mean, when we talk about even as mental health providers and, you know, organizations in our community that are trying to help this to trying to help 
you know, the diverse populations and the diverse communities. And they say, well, you know, let's get somebody at the table with real life experience. Yes, but also pay them. Like, you know, what I yes, yes, but their, their, yeah. their expertise, their value, their input is worth compensation. And for young adults um, and for young people, I think it's really important to not only say, hey, we have this program that we could use your help on. Here's the information. And that's it. You're you're actually taking them there. You're providing transportation. You're providing compensation. There's incentive there to want to be involved so that when the work actually happens and they really find value in it, they, you know, they that's when they learn that they care. I think also for I'll speak from my own perspective and from people in my own life and and some of and back home, you know, some of my personal friends, you know, we didn't really get to see success. We didn't get to see what that looked like so that we could mirror it. I mean, we were told you got to go to college. And if you don't go to college, you got nothing. You're not going to make money. You're not going to have a good life. You're not going to have a career. And also you're a black woman. Don't get pregnant. You know, that was what I knew. And I didn't get to see, you know, other people and other opportunities where and and it really did come down to a, a lot of times, how much money was I going to make? What was I going to do? And we didn't get to see the many ways that you can be successful while living in the neighborhood, the many ways that you could be helpful while still living in the neighborhood. You could make money. You can, you know, have opportunities. You can be a mentor to somebody. And what are the different ways that that looks like, you know? So I appreciate, though, that you guys are working with some of those kids and you're compensating them for that because don't have us come to the table if you're not going to compensate, you know? Right. No, no, absolutely. I absolutely agree. Uh, agree what you're saying. And, 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 and a lot of times individuals stop coming to the table because they feel like they're being taken advantage of. Right. Yeah. So I absolutely understand that. Let's uh, let's wrap up with maybe the, the most challenging question that we could we could throw your way. Uh. Um, this is the hardest tackle. This is the best fastball right under the chin. This is the dunk in your face. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you're not interrupting violence, where do you like to eat? Uh, where do I like to eat? That's a very good question. Yeah. We usually, we, if you want to do that, we, we always ask the pizza one because pizzas, uh, and we're not talking like Paco's here or anything like that. If you've got a small dive place, we're always looking for new places, but the place that you go to, to shut it all out because you're going to get the best damn meal since you've been back here in Toledo. Where are you going? Wow, that is a very, very good question. That is that is a very good question because gotcha. I like to eat, right? <laughs> so I like to eat. So that is a very good question. Uh, Jay Mays is definitely one of them. Uh, when I want some good soul food, Jay Mays is definitely one of them. Uh, another one is uh, Texas Roadhouse. It's just relaxed. Yeah, it's relaxed. I love the steak. I would say Jay Alexander, but it's a little too formal sometimes. Uh, but you can really relax, and I'm never eating by myself. It's always a group of us, and so I really get a chance to, you know, uh, we can talk loud, we can enjoy ourselves. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that, I, 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 that, that would be my spot: Jay Mays and uh, Texas Roadhouse. Nice. What are you? What are you doing? In any downtime you have, do you watch stuff? Obviously, like sports, Michigan or Ohio State. Answer carefully. So I'm a Miami, Ohio fan. First okay, of all, let all me right, let me right. get that out in the open. Uh, you know what's it, 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 it's funny? I don't watch a lot of sports. I don't watch a lot of football. Um, and if I do, I have to watch it by myself, especially football. Um, the banter, the the the. <laughs> a lot of people talk football when they really don't know what they're talking about. And so I usually tend to watch football by myself. I don't like going like to public areas to watch football and sports. But when I do have time. Uh, I do catch a game every now and then. So did you watch Ben retire or essentially retire last night being a Miami guy? Absolutely. Absolutely. Text him um, before, text him after. Did you uh, really? Yeah, Ooh. he's just a quality individual. If you know Ben, uh, I had a chance to meet Ben uh, going back to Miami. I was playing in Cincinnati, uh, but my cousin Ryan Robinson um, was at Miami with Ben. And so I was up there frequently um, supporting Ryan in Miami and had a chance to build a relationship with Ben. He's just a stand-up quality person. He's always been that way. And, um, yeah, I just appreciate his contributions to the game and how he represented my, my alma mater. 
It was great to see last night. I had a, I had a Facebook friend at the game, and they took some video um, when things hit zero and just everybody going over to him. And I saw Miles Garrett coming over. I guess he wrapped up. He might not have been uh, on the field, but he, he ran over to Ben, waited for some people to separate, and just got in his ear. And, uh, you know, it's great to see that. All the respect that he's gotten. He... He had some black marks in his career, but he moved, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He moved beyond them and seemingly has become yeah. a much better human being and has and, and done, done a lot for the league and certainly for, for Steelers fans. Oh, good for right, you guys. Right, but you know what? And, and I'm glad. Uh, you, you guys say some very very good things. I love to piggyback on it. But that is exactly how we move forward is being able to experience whether those black marks were deservingly earned mm-hmm. or not. Um, he had them, and he was able to overcome them. I have them. Um, community members have them. And a lot of times they feel that they're too far gone to be productive, to be positive, to 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 have a change in their life and they're not, it's never too late. And so, um, that is, it's just huge to see. And and I think that's one of the biggest benefits of having the opportunity to build a relationship with TPD. Uh, chief Craw has been very supportive. Captain Joe Heffern is my direct liaison and he's never, never, not one time, not been available, turned me down, told me he couldn't do it. Not one time. And so, uh, despite my history with TPD and law enforcement. Yeah. And so it's it, it's that opportunity of being able to to show individuals it's never too late. It's never too late to be productive. It's never too late to be resilient um, and bounce back from mistakes that we've made. And so I'm just, uh, I'm extremely thankful to where we are today and our numbers in our first target area. Way to bring it back to the topic of the hour, Jawan. I appreciate that. I mean, those, all, those of us who are passionate about the work we do, you can ask us about something something personal and we're still going to bring it back like it's still we live it breathe it all of that yeah yeah that but that is you know that is what we're trying to create and and i mean you guys i would love for you guys to go with me um and and witness some of these conversations um and just the honesty of young people the honesty of kids the honesty Mm -hmm. of, of older individuals who really want to change um the, the decision making to make better decisions mm. um, and the the sense of hopelessness, hopelessness to see it you you only you you can only empathize with it because yeah. you know they yeah. are genuine mm-hmm. uh, but they definitely feel a sense of hopelessness and yep. it's too late and it, and that is definitely not the case and so um, I'll be available whenever you guys need uh, 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 I just I really enjoyed this conversation. I, I hope you look forward to staying in contact with us and maybe a group text because I feel like now that we've had this conversation, Eric is going to introduce you to a million people that you need to know in the community, and um, I just want to piggyback on that. So group that text. would be absolute, I, Eric. I, I, <laughs> and that's kind of what Matt told me, so I'm <laughs> I'm kind of expecting that. I'm kind of expecting that. Before before uh, like all this erupted, like three four years ago, I was like I, I would say I know where the bodies are buried. I I, I kind of put them there. Uh, no, I didn't. But <laughs> I've, I've been very fortunate now. Uh, I mean, this has become my home. I've I've done radio for my entire adult life for twenty some years. I'm originally from Philadelphia. I've moved a bunch of places. But when I got here in 2013, and then in 2017, my job went away because radio cuts people. Uh, the community reached out to me and and had made note that I made a mental health impact on them. I'm like, mm. I'm, I'm done. I'm not doing radio jobs anymore. I'm going to stay here and, and see this through. This is my home. And awesome. um, I've been fortunate enough to meet tons of great people, like the way Matt reached out to me um, and apologized for waiting so long. And I apologized to him. And I'm glad that we could finally connect. Although I was hoping that you could visit us because Matt said you're really big. And I wanted to see just how big you were. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's a liar. I'm a oh. little guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? When I, when like, I was in college, <laughs> and just to show you how little of a guy I am, so I, I'm not going to say, my, so my favorite team is Miami, Ohio, but I hate Ohio State, right? And I'm going to tell you why. So, um, Please, <laughs> so we my, my senior, Yeah, so my senior year in high school, uh, I, you know, take my official visits to college, you get five of them. My second visit was to Ohio State. Mm. Joe Cooper was the, not Joe Cooper. John Cooper. Uh, John Cooper was the coach. The very first day, we're supposed to be there the whole weekend. Friday, he calls me into the office with my parents, and he tells me that, you know, I'm going to just be honest with you. You're too small to play here. What? Um, you can stay for the weekend, mm. but we're not going to offer offer you a scholarship you can walk on. 
And so my dad said, well, uh, we appreciate the conversation, uh, but we're going to head back. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so, you know, at this time, I had had offers from every Mac school. Michigan had offered me a partial, mm-hmm. uh, but... My dad wasn't going that route either way. I'm not going nowhere paying partial when I can get it paid for free. And so, which led to my decision to go to Miami. And so I played linebacker at Miami. Uh, when it's time to come out for the NFL, the NFL said, you know, I'm too small to play linebacker. Uh, but everybody wanted me to try to play DB. And so I played DB, uh, defensive back, safety, four years for the uh, Bengals, a year with the Raiders. And when the game moved to the spread, both safeties have to cover now. Well, I can't cover. And so uh, Alex, it, it proceed, Alex, it, it, I then proceeded to go to Canada where I could play linebacker. I know smaller. a little. I knew DB <laughs> was defensive back before he said it, okay? <laughs> I appreciate the explanation. Some of it's like wah, 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 wah. Right, right. But I understand some of it. <laughs> Juwan, did you know uh, Dane Sonsenbacher a little bit? Did you guys cross paths at the Bengals? No, we crossed paths at uh, Central. Okay. Uh, okay. Dane was on the four by one team at Central. I would go over there uh, to help out um, Coach P and, and, and Sydney over there. Uh, and and Dane is a, a great individual. I would see Dane, Dane in the morning because I was still working out. So I would go up there and work out in the mornings. Um, and I would see Dane there. Uh, so yeah, I, I do know Dane. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good dude. He visited a couple of times. Uh, I know his what it is now his wife because she worked in media here, and I would always kind of dismiss her and say, I just want to talk. Talk to Dane. Let me talk to Dane about some sports. <laughs> right. Awesome. Well, this is incredible. Uh, it's very easy to, to track us down. I'll, I'll get you Alex's contact number. Uh, I'm so glad we can make this happen. We've been tracking you down for a year. Uh, Ignacio owes me one because we asked as soon as you started. <laughs> so shout out to Gretchen for getting it done. Uh, happy New Year and let us know how we can help. Yes, please. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any any um, information that you got, like links, like this conversation, we're trying to build out our social media uh-huh. um, platform. And to have these, because again, like you said, there's so much inf- misinformation mm-hmm. um, about our program, what we do, where we're at. Um, Karen Poor promised to have uh, allow me a social media platform. I know it's coming uh, with the reconstruction of our communications department. They're working on it. But uh, to have conversations like this to be posted on our social media page just helps to provide and spread uh, that information about what we are doing and what we're trying to accomplish. And are you still expanding your team? Are you looking for people that are willing to kind of join as um, an interrupter? Yes, absolutely. So okay. that's one of the things we learned from our first phase uh, of um, – uh, out rolling out in the Junction Inglewood areas that it is a high turnover. It's mm-hmm. a very high turnover. Mm-hmm. The demand is very demanding. And so uh, we'll have continual, um, the application will be continual. It would not stop. But when individuals feel that this is not the uh, the road that they want to go down, we'll have individuals ready to just yeah. jump in and, and fill in. I have I, someone I might send your way. So And I saw the story a couple I'll weeks. I'll be looking for it. I think the story was back in November or so. It said that you were having a hard time keeping it. Which, that, that's everything these days. Um, and right. it's a very challenging job. And one of the things was that people were walking like eight and nine miles a day. And I thought to myself, for God's sakes, have the mayor get them those goofy looking scooters. <laughs> get some insects <laughs> for your shoe. Yeah. <laughs> right. So we we we, have, we are working a, transporta- a transportation process. Uh, okay. we, we'll be having vehicles, but a part of the job, one of the main parts of the job, is for them to be walking, to be yeah. active, to be available, and more importantly, for them to be seen um, mm-hmm. by community members. Mm, that's great. I'm excited. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Um, I'm glad it, it, it took this long so we could get to know what was going on and so you could dig in and have some progress. And we're happy to... Uh, to and tout- some data and outcomes. Some d- yeah, we love data yeah. here. We're a big <laughs> standard. Yeah. Yay, data! Yeah. Right. yeah, I never... You know, I knew... I knew... Um, so I haven't been able to share much because of, you know, the way the communications department is being mm-hmm. reconstructed. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that, you know, the work is being done. So when people come ask, I have work that's been done. I I have yes. a conversation. I can point to numbers. I can point to events um, and initiatives um, that we've done and, and had outstanding participation. The quality has been outstanding. And honestly, without having a social media, getting information out, I'm just so thankful because it primarily comes from the support of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a huge family. Um, my family is pretty known in the city. Uh, and so having individuals that come to these meetings, they come to support and they come to work. And that's how we've been able to get so much accomplished mm. in honestly a short amount of time. Yeah. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Hey, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. Of course. Have take, a good day. Take care. Yep. Happy New Year. Bye.